We are so glad you made the choice to listen to this recording provided by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. There is a lot of negativity circulating through our country and the world. And sometimes among Christians, we have let concern lead to worry and anguish. It seems to us sometimes like the balance of good news and bad news is heavy on the bad and very light on the good. If we are not well disciplined in heavenly things, our minds can be torn and troubled by all the toxic, hostile, suspicious, and paranoid trends. In a short period of time, we have observed our nation and the world move so far away from principles of righteousness and responsibility. The question may come up, how do we stay fresh and faithful, motivated, good attitude? How do we silence the negativity in our minds and encourage one another in the best sort of way? I want to use our time together to take us to some places in Scripture, imperatives, that I hope will remind us of what God has said for application all the time and especially in our time. And I'm going to call this How to Stay Fresh and Faithful. Number one, are you reading your Bible? I trust you will not get tired of hearing me say this because this is about listening to God, letting Him speak to you through His written Word. Why wouldn't you do this on a regular basis? The use of your time reading the Bible cannot compete with any other way to use your time. If you feel like you are losing your way or your mind is just bathed in conflict and worry, get your head into the Word. Paul wrote God's Word to the Christians in Ephesus. Obviously, he intended that they read what God gave him to write. And to stress that simple point, Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. We could spend an hour or so talking about Ephesus and the conversion of the people there, the church in Ephesus, their particular situation. That would all be interesting and useful as contextual study. But for now, in this moment, I just want to place the emphasis on these two words. Paul said, read this. When Paul wrote to the Colossians and the Thessalonians, he said, read this. Every New Testament writer had this purpose, to write down what the Holy Spirit gave them, expecting those words to be read, and then the truth applied in the lives of the readers. God's Word was written to be read and then applied. I need spiritual nourishment. You need spiritual nourishment. God has prepared the nourishment and spread the table. Are we being fed? Are we being nourished? Maybe one reason we are so fearful and down and miserable, we are not partaking of the spiritually healthy diet 
God has provided. You can fix that beginning today. I urge you to get your head in the Word of God. Number two, I'm going to use a very simple word, run. You know, there is no passive way to be a Christian. Being a Christian isn't getting baptized, then relaxing that you are saved and resting the rest of your life based on what you did in that choice to be baptized. There is no passive way to be a Christian. It is the activity of faith in Christ that connects us to God and to eternity. I have open here Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This picture of the Christian's life is obviously active, devoted, energetic, running this race, looking to Jesus, and determined to arrive at the finish line. No wonder so many people are paralyzed. They're not running. There is no activity, no movement, just a passive claim to be a Christian. We have to be very deliberate and active about being a Christian, not just make the claim. Lifting our eyes away from worldly distractions, total concentration on Jesus, who he is, what he said, what he offers, what he expects of his disciples. A life of faith is active. It is daily, refusing to grow weary and faint-hearted. Satan wants to sabotage the race one runner at a time. So this says run with endurance. Pauses and delays can be deadly. To be fresh and faithful, run with patience the race set before us. And you'll need to read your Bible to know the way and to see the way. Number three, rejoice. Now the devil doesn't want you to do this. The world doesn't want you to do this, but Paul said over and over in the Philippian letter where we are taking our goals this year, rejoice in the Lord. Now, I think we need to understand something about this. For Paul, who was writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, joy was primarily a verb. That isn't just a vague emotion. This isn't something you do at certain times of celebration with your hands in the air. This is an active way to think and live. A product of your faith in Christ that you embrace, yes, but written here as something that we do. We rejoice because our faith is well-founded in historical reality. We rejoice because we know God does not lie. His promises are good. We rejoice because we know there are others with a shared faith who encourage us. We rejoice because we are not letting the world take us 
for a wild ride away from God. Joy in the Lord. That's our way of life. We need to embrace that joy, express it, instead of getting so frustrated and angry about somebody's tweet, some government policy, some trend, some temporary victory of the wicked. We need perhaps more than ever to embrace the hope and joy God imparts to us through Jesus Christ. Our faith needs to be refreshed and restored by the joy of salvation in Christ. By the way, rejoicing always contributes to gratitude, and gratitude in a circular way contributes back to joy. So it carries multiple benefits if we will rejoice in the Lord. Bitterness and anger is defeated when we rejoice in the Lord, and this enables and leads us to gratitude. Number four, remain. This extends what I said earlier about the race. Start running and never quit. If you do quit, repent and get back in the race. Never lose sight of the finish line. Twice in the book of James, he speaks clearly about remaining steadfast. In James 1 and verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. In James 5 and verse 11, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. I heard someone say not long ago, I can't keep up with what the world is doing and where the world is headed, but I'm just going to remain steadfast to the Lord. See, that's the way we cope with the fear and anxiety about the ungodly climate around us. John said, let the truth abide in us, abide in the doctrine of Christ. So you have these multiple words that ought to arrest our attention, remain, abide, run, read, rejoice. And number four, be ready. This imperative has so much meaning. For instance, in Titus 3 and verse 1, be ready for every good work. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. I can't stand around and wring my hands over the news. I've got to read God's word and be ready for every good work and be ready to give an answer. And then be ready for the judgment day. Many of us recall the song and the lyrics, Are You Ready? for the judgment day. You don't get ready for the judgment day by ranting and raving over the news every day and staying up all night worrying about it. You don't get ready for the judgment day by ignoring the need to read your Bible and pray. You don't get ready for the judgment day by letting the devil grow a crop of bitterness in your heart. You don't get ready for the judgment day by giving up sliding back into the world or loving the world or neglecting a healthy spiritual diet. I stay fresh by being busy, being ready. Are you ready for the judgment day? I want to conclude these thoughts by saying this. Jesus didn't die on the cross 
for us to be miserable, angry, and zoned out in a state of negativity and worry. He died for us to be lifted out of sin and rejoice in our relationship with God and the hope of heaven. When you obeyed the gospel, you became a part of a kingdom that will never be destroyed. We ought to be the most motivated people on earth when you consider what we have to look forward to and rejoice in now. May the ninth Mother's Day. Most of us have precious memories of our mothers, fortunate to have had parents who led us to Christ and gave us motive to serve him no matter what happens around us. We need to restore freshness and zeal to our faith and practice. One more thing. There was this book that was widely circulated back in the 60s, published by People of Faith, written by Leroy Brownlow. It was called, some of the older people listening to this may remember, Flowers That Never Fade. It was often given as a graduation present or a wedding gift. I read it back in the 60s and remember this passage. I went back and made certain. The writer said many people are miserable because they try to cross all their bridges before they get to them. To them, life seems unbearable because they view it in one big lump. I think that is so true. And that thought takes me to the words of Jesus, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I encourage you to read your Bible and run the race and rejoice in the Lord and remain steadfast and ready for every good work. There will always be moments of anxiety here on earth, times when we may slip into fearful moods, even insecurity. A robust faith fueled by God's word is the answer to any recurrent insecurities or fears. Someone said to me one time, in our earthly existence, the weather may be adverse and unpredictable, but it will never be spiritually fatal as long as you're living in good relationship and obedience to God. Well, I hope these few minutes have helped you as much as this study has helped me. Tune in again to our further recordings. There will be another that will be called Developing Your Faith. Thank you for listening.